The sales manager is inspires people. So inspires, inspiring. They they inspire thing, people to do things that they don't think that they could do. And that goes back to the other common thread I've said a few times is believe in your people more than they believe in themselves. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, we have Alice Kemper with us, and we're going to be talking about the secret three actions for sales teams to meet their quotas. Um, Just by way of introduction, Alice is a sales and leadership consultant, author, and speaker with more than 36 years of experience in the industry. She is the president of Sales Training Consultants, a company that specializes in sales and uh, sales leadership and leadership training solutions, as well as a founder of Sales Training Works, a do-it-yourself sales training solution. Um, Alice was recently listed in Crazy Call's Top 18 Most Influential Women in Sales in 2019. Um, Alice, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Steve. I have to say that I binge, well, it's not binge watched. I binge listened uh, to your program for an entire week, and I enjoyed every minute of it, and I'm honored to be among uh, the really superior talent that you select for your audience. And I have to also say you are a great interviewer, so thanks for having me. Well, thank you. I, uh, I I can't take all the credit. I've got a you know I've got a team that helps me choose the right questions for each person that that really tease out interesting stuff from uh, from from each from each guest. So that that's that's why it's good. I'm not just I'm not making this stuff up on the spot. There's research involved. <laughs> um, so uh, early in your career, you actually made a big transition from education to sales, which I've, I've, I've always felt like educators also have sales skills. Um, and so this, that makes a ton of sense to me. My first job was actually almost being a, uh, a teacher, but how, how did you make this transition and what compelled you to do so? Well, um, my mother will tell you that, you know, from the minute I could talk and walk, I wanted to be a teacher. So I achieved that goal and I was teaching and, and, I, and I had already started my master's to be a principal. So I, I had my feet planted. I knew where I was going. However, we were working without a contract. <laughs> so four or five years later, I'm earning the same exact amount of money I was on day one. And there wasn't a lot of security on that. And I looked around and I learned three things kind of growing up or when I got into the adult world of working that... I like to do three things. I like to live, so I need my rent and my car paid for, my electricity. I like to buy entertainment, and girls have to have shoes. And (laughs) also, I like to save. My father taught me about saving. And on a teacher's salary, and especially earning the same amount for five straight years, I could not do all three. I could do two of the three. So I looked around, and it was like, okay, what can I do without uh, going back to college? And um, I had a good friend on the tennis court every day at 2.30. And I was home at 3.30 being an educator. And I said, what do you do? And he sold for Seagram's Liquors. And so Mm. I said, okay, I want a sales job. 
Not that to be home at 2.30 was appealing, but I, I learned very quickly, you're really not home at 2.30. Uh, he, was just, he was probably just taking a little exercise break. He was <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, so I got very lucky and um, because there were very few, the only job, there were very few sales jobs for women at the time. So I'm dating myself, but I'm very proud of what I did going into the sales profession when there were very few women in it. They were only in cosmetic and pharmaceutical sales. That was mm -hmm. basically it. So I got very fortunate and American Greetings. Um, in fact, the sales manager went out on a limb to hire a woman and uh, with no sales experience, except that he saw the same thing, that teaching and sales are very similar. And I was hired as a sales representative for American Greeting Cards. Outstanding. Yeah. And your first, you, I read that your first experience as a sales manager was coaching and training a team of 24 sales reps. Tell, tell me about that. What were the biggest challenges there that you faced as a new sales manager? And what advice do you have for sales managers that are just starting out? So um, what I was, I had sold for American Greetings for a few years and they promoted me into middle management and which was a field sales manager job. And I was responsible for 24 sales reps half the state of Florida. And so what my biggest challenge that I was faced was uh, one that this was, I was the third woman in the entire company and a full United States company with 870 salespeople was the third woman to be promoted into management. So the first challenge was I had to prove that I didn't sleep with the boss to get the job. <laughs> that's, what, that's what was happening in those days and that's what everybody believed. And then, my other, and then I was younger than me salesmen. Uh, I was 27 and they had been selling for years. They were much older than me. Some of them had been uh, even higher up in leadership than me. And then when it, in, in Florida was like the retirement place to get your territory in Florida. So the other challenge I had uh, was that I had to prove that I had something to bring to the table to these men. So we're 24 men older than me. And so what I decided that, that my something was I was going to be a coach to them. And that I wasn't going to be in the know-it-all, this is what to do, this is how to do it. I mean, they knew more than I did. And I just found that part of being a coach and being a good manager and leader is just asking a lot of questions. My job is to get, I'm going to earn my paycheck through other people now. I've got to figure out how to motivate these people to do the best that they can to earn, you know, what are their goals and, uh, and so that they can they can have happy lives. And if they can have happy lives, I can have a happy life. So and, and what kinds of questions? So, so nailing down what their goals are, uh, what, what do you mean by goals? Professional goals, money goals? What, what other questions would you ask? I am um, uh, coach you personal and professional coaching, okay? Because mm -hmm. you, we, we work to live. We, we need our paycheck to live. So what are your personal goals? What do you want to do for your children? What vacations do you want to go on? What kind of, do you want another house? Do you want another car? You know, what is it? Or do they want to give more money to their, you know, their church or something? You know, everybody's got a variety of goals. You, 
So it was very important for me to find out what drove them. What did they work for? Why did they like working? What did they like best about this job? What did they like least about this job? And so my, so with having that knowledge, I then can help them fulfill their goals. So it's not always about money. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe sometimes I had instances where I ended up not necessarily with these 24, but in other management leadership jobs, I ended up coaching them to find another job because it turns out it's not a fit. And then when it's not a fit, it's not healthy for them. It's not healthy for the customers and it's not healthy for the company. And you need all three of those to be happy and healthy. So true. And yeah. as you know, leading a company, I've certainly seen that. Um, yeah, and a lot of people don't understand that. Like you're you're better off finding the, you know the right people for a role because if someone's better off somewhere else, you're you're everyone's better off if you help them get there. Right. And the other thing with these gentlemen were that nobody know cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I, I still don't know who said that, but I use that all the time. And so when I just sat back and asked them questions about them and then asked them, what could they teach me? They've been around. What could mm -hmm. they teach me? And I did bring things to the table that I didn't put out on the table right away. One of my successes as a sales rep, I had 95 drugstores, about three different drugstore chains. Mm -hmm. and, and I had 25 part-time employees working for me, servicing the card racks at those drugstores. Mm -hmm. I had 5% turnover, whereas these men had 80 to 90% turnover. Oh, wow. So they spent all their time hiring part-time people, training them, hiring them. They, they, they want a rat race. So I mm -hmm. did something to bring them. I didn't let them know right away necessarily. But then when I could show do that, that changed their world. That changed their their time management changed everything. So I, so you have to listen and find out personal, professional, and then then how to give them some tools to make it to make it happen. That makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, I, I think hiring the right people, making you know, making sure that they're the right fit once they're there, and then retaining the people. Retain you retain doing behaving in such a way that you're able to retain your employees and treating them in a way that, that you can retain them for the long term is so important for companies. Cause if you don't do that, you just end up spinning your, spinning your wheels. And, and that's, and, and whether you're a sales manager, you're spinning your wheels on training new people all the time. And, and frankly, it takes people, I believe two years to be great at something. Um, you know, it, it's sure. And, three months you understand the product and you're, you're, you figured out you know, how to move around the territory and who to talk to, but to be truly great at, in a sales role, you need two years, I think. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, if you're, if you're losing everyone on average after 18 months, you're just, you're never as a sales manager, you're never going to reach greatness. Right. And then they have to look at also, that's what you have to look at the companies. How come you're losing that many people so soon? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's either the values don't match up, they don't, they don't, or they don't feel valued, or of course, coming from a trainer, a solution firm person and a school teacher, it's all about the training. Give the people the tools. Mm -hmm. <laughs> people want tools. Everybody wants tools. Um, yeah. You know, and you talk about greatness after two years, but think about all the professions, doctors, uh, uh, opera singers, um, orchestra leaders, uh, people in a band. 
they practice, they, they want to learn, they read, they listen, they, they take classes in any which way to improve themselves. Sales is the only profession, interesting, that there's no uh, requirement for training <laughs> or requirement for continuous education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. So true. And, and that's, that's one thing we're trying to do here is, is help educate people. Uh, you, you, another thing you've said is important for managers is ride-alongs. And so tell me about why, why you feel like ride-alongs are, are so important for, for coaching and developing your reps. Well, so I'm going to tie that in. You, you know, you introduce that we're going to talk about three actions. That's one act. That's one of the three. Sales managers can meet sales quotas, can have their salespeople meet quotas consistently. And one of the actions is field ride-alongs. And why is that? That means go out in the field, get in the car with them, go on sales calls. Why? Because then you're seeing what's happening. You're hearing what's happening. When somebody comes back in the office and relays the story, he said this, she said that, you're not getting, you're not getting the facial expressions, you're not getting um, uh, you're you're not getting the whole message either. You're not getting the tonal, it, you, and they're leaving out half of what happened. So when you're mm -hmm. there in the field and you're observing what's actually happening on the job, then you can be a better coach. Mm -hmm. And you, know, you go on several sales calls. You watch them. You don't have to critique after each one. You can watch, there are several ways to coach. One way is to coach after each one. The other is watch a few. And then, because you're gonna see as a sales manager, you really are gonna see, I say 500 things that you're not gonna like. <laughs> and the thing is, is that one mistake most sales managers make after they go out on a sales call with them, they start pointing out everything they saw that they could have done better. One of my recommendations is observe a few calls and then pick no more than two, preferably one. What's one thing they could adjust immediately that would make the biggest difference? Because you're gonna lose a sales rep if you give them five, six, seven things that they did wrong. They're, they're gonna tune you out and cut you off. You're, they're not hearing anymore. Mm -hmm. But one thing, and talk about, give some options, give them solutions on how to do it, role play, practice, that you fix one thing, you end up fixing three things. So that's the importance of ride-alongs. But along with it, you have to be a, know how to coach on the ride-along. Mm -hmm. No, I, I could not agree more, um, both on the people overdoing it with feedback and giving people too much to bite off, but also the importance of ride-alongs. I mean, and, and not just, I, I don't think it's just important for, for sales managers. I, I, I like my my VP of engineering to go on a ride along to really get a better understanding of what's going on with customers, certainly product management and product people. Um, and even, 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 uh, executive leadership. I mean, I, as a CEO of the, of, of Badger, I, I, uh, I go on ride alongs with our, mm -hmm. with our reps. And I think it's really important because, you know, it's important for me to hear things. I mean, to some degree, it's for the same reason that field sales is so important compared to selling over the phone, or is so valuable compared to selling over the phone. Face to face, you just get, you understand so much better what's going on, and you can sell so much better, and you just it, it resonates with us. I think I think we we lose a lot more 
than we think we do if it's if something is just over the phone or if something is uh, is just being retold to us. I think you really want to hear, you want to connect with people and hear things face to face. Shortens sales cycles, gets you know, builds trust, closes more deals, shortens the make makes the close easier. I I couldn't agree with you more. Right. And an, another thing is when you have, um, even when you go one or even the engineers go one, I tell the managers, you're another set of eyes and ears. You aren't there to make the sale for them. Okay? Mm-hmm. But as you're listening and you hear because the, 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 um, the prospect or the client go this way and the sales reps going that way, then you can just add one question, just throw in one question to bring it back around. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes as a sales rep, it is hard to take everything in, keep to be listening, thinking about what you're going to be presenting, tying it back in. So uh, that there's a value to that. And you're, you may ask a question that the sales representative would not have asked also. Another thing I've heard you speak about is how a manager wants to change their leadership style when coaching uh, their different reps in their team. And you've, you've talked about identifying your A, B, C, and D sales reps. Could you, could you tell our listeners a bit about, about your thoughts there? Right. So, you know, you, everybody wants to have a whole team of A players and we, we don't end up with that. We think we're hiring all A players. And, and, and sometimes, you know, based on your hiring tactics, um, using assessments, not using assessments, sometimes what we see isn't what we get. Okay, so, um, and then you have quotas and people, and you need to be measured. So what I like to do when, with sales teams is, sales reps, you know, whether it's their A, B, C, D, or top tier, middle tier, lower tier sales reps, but they are different. And so how do you coach and lead with your leadership style? The coaching, the field ride, it's the same for all of them. Just your A players, you're going to go a whole lot less. So, but what do do A players want? They want to feel value. So riding in the field with them, going to lunch with them is making them feel value. And you need them because when you're, when as a leader, when you're in a pinch and you need another extra sale, it's your A players that are going to get it for you. And so part of the coaching with them and leading them is bring them into the fold, ask them their advice, ask them for their solutions. They know a lot, they're out there. They can really help solve a lot of the company's problems if you just ask them. And they are going to leave if they don't feel valued. That's why they leave. They're making money, they're feeling good. Money's not the answer. So, you, so that's how you coach and lead them. The interesting thing about what I call your B players, B players all A wannabes, okay? So there's the fastest track to getting more sales. So again, spend time with them, do the field ride, which was the first action. The second action is the one-on-one coaching. So if you do field rides and one-on-one coaching, now the A players, you may not, you may coach one-on-one coaching once a month. The B players are going to be once a week or twice a month, but but they're your fastest track to turning them into A's. And then you have your C players and uh, your C and your D players. So they're not cutting it, they're not making quota. There's so much, a lot of books saying uh, that's who you let go right away. And I'm a believer 
especially if you're a sales manager and you inherited the team, is everybody's got a clean slate. And so until you thoroughly invest the time in coaching and training them, you're not, it's not your responsibility to do career redirection with them. Mm -hmm. so, so work with your, don't spend all your time, because a lot of times companies say, we let go of their A's and their B's and they spend all their time with their C's and the D's. Everybody needs it. C's and D's need more hand-holding, more accountability, shorter time frames to make the changes that they need to make. And then, then if they're not doing it, then they're telling you, I'm not cut right for this company. So, mm -hmm. so that, that's how I look at the different, the adjustments for the different um, A, B, and C, D players. It's a fantastic framework. And I, I remember one of my best managers at, uh, when I was at Google had a very similar, uh, a very similar way of breaking up the world in his mind. And, and, and just, just the, just treating people very differently and coaching them very differently based on their performance, I think is something that's lost on, on some managers, but it's a great strategy. Uh, it, you've talked about the importance of having bite-sized 30 minute meetings. Um, what, why is this an optimal length and what should these meetings generally consist of? Okay. Well, one of the reasons, the one that I say 30 minutes or less because today everybody has an attention span of a gnat. <laughs> How can I focus on what you're saying, given that I'm reading my Instagram right now? <laughs> okay. So that's one. The other reason we picked 30 minutes or less is we did, um, when we went to design the sales training works, uh, membership, site, the done for you sales meetings. Uh, we interviewed a lot of sales managers, did a lot of forums, and basically, you know, to find out what they wanted, because my first idea was uh, 60 minute or 52, 60 minute or less sales meetings. And so when we had the forums, that's what I presented, and they all started having cardiac arrest at 60 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, so why 30 minutes? That was driven by them. And two reasons. They felt that they could take 30 minutes out and do some skill building, but not an hour. And the other tagging on to that, um, they also in their sales meetings have some information out that they need to do. So they felt sometimes that just takes 15 minutes, sometimes 30. So they could block an hour out for their sales team and do a combination, information out and a skill booster at the same time. So that's, that's where the... 30 minutes or less. And I have to say initially, because I go back into the days where we used to take salespeople out of the field for five days sales training, you know, then it was three days, then it was two days. And now I ask when I call companies, we want sales training and I say, well, what's your end game when it's all over? What do you want to happen? Oh, we want to have doubled sales. And then I say, well, how much time were you willing to take them out of the field to do that? And they go, oh, just a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> and I'm, I'm good, but I'm not that good. But right. <laughs> no one is, turns out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's back to, going back to, my, as a teacher, I knew that I, my, I was only going to get to keep my job if when they tested in in September, they tested out at a higher grade in June. And my first sales manager job, I took every Monday morning, and it was a skill booster sales meeting. 
and mine were 60 minutes. So basically, the, so, but at first it was very hard for me. I started having cardiac arrest. What can I really do in 30 minutes? But then I came up with our, our signature formula to make that happen. And uh, it's the three E, um, oh, but it now, uh, accelerator technique. And the three E's is you have to engage, you have to energize, and you have to equip all at the same time. And then on top of that, how am I going to do that? And I came up with the 5-10-10-5 formula. So the first five minutes starts out with the energizer, but the energizer is an, it's not, it, everything has a reason. I don't do anything just to do it. It's the aha moment energizer for them to recognize the reason we're talking about objections or the reason we're talking about voicemail messages. So mm -hmm. it's a creative way to get, get an aha in five minutes. The next 10 minutes is spent on here's skill, here's the right principles, let's say, for objections. And then they do something individually on their own in that 10 minutes. And then the next 10 minutes is group. So now we're engaging again, we're energizing because they're talking to their peers and we're equipping them because they're doing a practice. And then the last five minutes is just a personal debrief. Okay, I either had an aha moment, I learned something new or I rediscovered something. Mm -hmm. And one of those two things are gonna happen. You're gonna learn something or you're gonna rediscover something. And then they have to make, all right, how, what commitment am I gonna to make to apply that into my sales conversations? And mm -hmm. all that's in 30 minutes and they're good to go. They got energized, they, they learned something from their peers themselves. And we have, people tell us all the time, it made a difference on the very next conversation. So everything's also relevant. That's another big word for me, relevant. So all right. And so these are, these are meetings focused on trainings is, is what you've kind of broken down this, uh, this philosophy or, or framework for what, what about one-on-one -on -one meetings with your reps? What, what thoughts and tips do you, do you have, do you have there? Yeah. So the one-on-one -on -one meetings, they are not about what did you sell for me this week? What did you sell for me today? That's not what they're about. Okay? Mm -hmm. What they are about is, finding out what barriers or challenges are in their way right now from moving deals forward, from making things happen. Mm -hmm. I have had over my sales career, so many meetings where it was just a report. And it's like, I mean, you could have looked in the CRM and it says the same thing. These are the things that are going on right now. Like you could look that up, but. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I and, and for sales managers who aren't doing one-on-ones, you, the first, you, you just decide you're going to start doing them. And you can do them when you're riding in the field also at lunch. This is a good time. But what you also want to do, back to what I did with the 24 salesmen when I first started, what's, what are your business goals? What are your professional goals? What do you like about this? What, what are you working for? You know, what motivates you? Find out what's going on. And then again, that's how you weave that into it. We had a salesperson once, you know, that, uh, well, one, a big goal was to go to California, you know, uh, was to go to London, you know, just said, I have never been out of the country. 
And we just broke that down. Well, what's, what's holding you back from going? Well, I need X amount of money to take my family. All right. And then when do you want to go? And then we broke it down. What do you have to do in your business life to get that extra money to do it? And then boom, we're doing action plans that they have to sell X amount. They're looking at their territory different. And they had set a personal goal to go in six months that this is, they were going to achieve. And lo and behold, three months later, they, they made it happen. They're going to London three months before planned. So it's, it's not rocket science. It's somebody talking. They need, it, you're their coach, mm -hmm. you know, you're not their manager They're You're their coach, but you know, if they have their numbers, even if, if you want to have the numbers conversation, what's going on, what do you think's happening that you're 20% off your numbers? So mm -hmm. it's not no line by line, account by account, who's, who, who might close, who, where are you with this one? What's going on? You're going to find out so many things. You're, you're going to find out either, I don't know, I keep getting this objection. Well, sometimes you find that when they get, I find when salespeople got the same objection, they've done something previous in the questioning to get that objection mm -hmm. <laughs> without them realizing they're teeing up that objection. Um, so you break through that or there's something going on in their personal life. Had you not asked, you wouldn't know what's going on in their personal life. So that's the barriers and you work around that. You, you don't let them off the hook, but also you engage them. Here's the other difference. Sales managers have taught their salespeople not to think for themselves. You go into the sales manager's office. I have this problem. The sales manager says, oh, okay, I'll fix it. I'll come up with a solution for you. Why is the sales manager there till nine o'clock at night? Because he's, every single salesperson's come in with a problem. And he's, I don't know if you know, familiar with the monkey on your back article <laughs> for business review, but that manager has all the monkeys and the salespeople come home at five o'clock. And so they learn not to think for themselves. They've learned the manager wants to do it. So you've got this problem that well, the best question to ask after they've laid out what the barrier or the, or the problem is, what do, you, what, do you, what do you suggest? What's your recommendation for fixing this? What would you do? What do you want to do? And, if, and don't accept the I don't know. Okay. Well, if you did know, <laughs> what would it be? Right. <laughs> Really important advice here. This is this is fantastic. Um, it, can you tell me about a training experience that you've had, or or working with someone that was particularly fulfilling or memorable, or where you learned something especially important? First, for me, the this is in college. Um, I was not a good student in high school. My sister's one and a half years older than me. A student without opening a book. I'm lucky to get C's with opening books. But <laughs> I didn't, I just wasn't a good student. Socializing was a little bit more important to me. Go to mm -hmm. college, take an education, minor in psychology, you have to take two statistics courses. I don't know what statistics is. So that shows you how I'm a C student. Didn't know what <laughs> I'm in two statistic classes. I got very lucky. One of my professors said to me, you're a lot smarter than you think you are. And I ended up graduating college with honors. Okay. So that's, that goes back to my whole coaching, believing in them more than they believe in themselves. 
So that was my um, very, very, very memorable. And I took that into my teaching profession also. The, the other ones, the only, what, what rings to mind is any time it was an interactive um, uh, workshop or meeting or you know, training that I went through, that made the biggest difference. When it was a, a lecture, Unlike the mat, you know, I mean, even back, you know, tune me out. I had a fidget. I had to take note. I had to do, I was like writing verbatim what they were saying just to stay awake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I always had a similar experience. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always found lectures very boring. But, you know, I think that's probably true with a lot of salespeople. They're, they're driven to interact. They're, they're driven by interactions. And that passive, you know, absorption of boring material always just killed me. Well, but not only that, it, I, I don't want to go back. We could talk about our education system. You know, I did not teach that way. You know, my children, it, I did not teach lecture. I got in trouble with the principal. I got sick. You know, you, you don't play on the flu. You wake up with it. Three days later, I come back and get in my office. And, oh, what, did, what happened? They, they were terrible. What? They didn't listen to the, the substitute. I said, what? She said, well, she wanted them all reading off the same page. Well, again, I had A, B, C, D players in my class. They mm -hmm. each got assignments on Monday. So my A players, I worked with them on Friday. They had four days to complete. The C and the Ds that couldn't read, I worked with them every day. Anyway, so they all had their assignments, and they told the substitute. They wanted to work on their assignments. So mm. they complete them. You empower people. <laughs> yeah. And and you give them the tools to do it and rather than wanting to sit there and lecture. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a, a great takeaway thought from this entire, uh, this entire interview here. Um, there, there's a lot of similarities between being a, a teacher and being a sales manager. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, next I'd like to do something I call sales in 60 seconds, where I'll ask you five questions that are, and I'll ask them, you know, rapid fire. And then hopefully the answer, you'll be able to answer them in under 60 seconds. Okay. So, uh, first, what's a common mistake sales managers make during meetings? That's an easy one. Talking heads. Talk at you, talk, two things, talk at you and tell you how great they did it and you should do it like them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a common problem with humans in general, right? Right. <laughs> I have five others, but that's my number one pet peeve. <laughs> well, since that was so easy, give me, give me two more. Okay. Um, real play, not role play. When they decide to do role play, they have one or two people come up to the room and, oh my goodness, sweaty palms, you know, people are ready to have the, the, the flu. Uh, I call it real play. Take a real challenge and do it in triads, a buyer, a seller, observer. And when you, and take a real challenge, not a fake one, not have them sell widgets. Uh, everybody fills out a form. Here's a challenge I have. And they shuffle up the challenges. Don't have to have the person's name on it. Or you put the person's name on it and they do their own challenge. And so they have, then the other person gets their challenge card and they have to read it and then treat it like a sales call and they how would they do it and the person whose challenge it was is the buyer so they can answer as best as they can 
and then you have an observer to give feedback. Make it about 15 minutes, and then the, uh, the observer and leads a group feedback discussion. All right. And what, what would be one piece of advice to sales managers who don't feel they have enough time in the day? <laughs> uh, lose that thought. <laughs> because if that's the thought that you don't have enough time in the day, you're going to continue to get exactly what you've got. Okay? Because nothing's going to change. And you're just going to be working out of probably that scarcity mentality and you're going to get yourself overwhelmed. Uh, so, um, you know, um, look at your day. If you're looking at your day that they don't have enough time in their day for training, then they're in serious trouble. But if they just don't have enough time in their day, they just need to really do an analysis of where they're spending their time, how they're doing it, and, and recalculate that. And a yeah. lot of that I think is going to be what we talked about before is they're taking the monkeys on the back of their sales reps. So then I would encourage them to read the article by Harvard Business Review, um, uh, Monkey on My Back, and I'll get some learning lessons on how to give the monkeys. I'll give them a real quick tip if I'm going over my 60 seconds, how to give the monkey back. How to give the monkey back is when a sales rep approaches you with a problem, listen to the problem, hear them out, and then say, here's what I'd like you to do. If you, you know, let, I'm going to think about it, but I'd like you to go think about it. Let's meet back in 15 minutes and have minimum of one, if not two solutions for me. I love it. Well, it's worth going over the 60 seconds when the advice <laughs> is that valuable. Uh, what's your top advice for women sales managers today? Uh, um, be the best that you can and have, and I would say, use your voice, you know, uh, what do you mean by that? Don't, don't get, don't be afraid to speak up. Use, say what's on your mind. I mean, say, you know, don't attack or anything or be vicious, but that's one of the things I see women still thinking, I didn't get asked what they thought. You know, we, we get back into some of the girl things we were taught. Be nice to everybody. Um, and I'm just saying, you have a voice. You were put in a leadership position for a reason. Use your voice. And I do have to add, if you speak up and you use your voice and they let you go because of that, that wasn't the right place for you. Great advice. What is a leadership quality that you find to be particularly important in sales and sales leadership? Hmm. Uh, that the sales manager is inspires people. So inspires, inspiring. They, they inspire think, people to do things that they don't think that they could do. And that goes back to the other common thread I've said a few times is believe in your people more than they believe in themselves. Which movie should every salesperson watch and learn from? <laughs> Um, I'd say, it, uh, field your dreams. <laughs> okay. If you build it, they will come, huh? If you build it, they will come. <laughs> dream it. Here's one of my phrases. Dream it, uh, believe it, achieve it. Awesome. So as an actionable takeaway, what should the field sales managers listening today do as a first step to help their team meet and exceed their quotas consistently? 
Well, a, a first step out of the three actions, if they take the three, the field rides, the one-on-one -on -one coaching, and the mini sales training, bite-side sales training, mm -hmm. I would say out of those three, start with the one-on-ones. Get one-on-one scheduled with all your salespeople and, uh, and find out who they are, what they're all about, everything I said earlier, you know, what, what are their aspirations, work, not, not work have that meeting first. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to attempt to summarize what you've said for all the people driving right now who presumably weren't taking notes. There's so much stuff here. Um, so Alice started her, her sales career selling for American Greetings, where she faced some challenges as the one of the few women within American Greetings on the sales side, and certainly one of the the, I think one of the only, if not the first female manager, um, she learned to coach reps below her and, and to form great relationships with them. And she did this by asking questions like, what are your goals? Both she'd find out their personal goals, their professional goals. She'd find out what, what drives them. Um, at times she would find certain people weren't a great fit for the role and she could coach them to find a new job. And at other times she could find what, really would be motivating for that that specific individual and then she could she could work with them to achieve it sales managers need to go on field ride ride alongs to observe what's really happening in order to be in order to coach their sales teams and be great managers you want to observe a few calls first and then focus on telling your reps one maybe two things that they can improve upon and then providing with them them with solutions on how they can improve on those things a good framework is to break down your reps into your A, B, C, and D players and uh, create value for your A players by, by still spending time with them in the field and, um, and learning about their challenges and goals, but there's probably a little less, uh, le there's less interactions, maybe it's monthly or bi-monthly instead of weekly. With your, your B players, you're gonna need more ride-alongs and more coaching, so maybe, maybe every other week or every week, and you can turn them into A players. And then you spend the most time with C and D players to see if you can get them to progress by training and eventually see if you can move them up or if you can help them with, uh, with a different direction for their career. Um, skill building or training meetings are best in bite-sized chunks, so 30 minutes or less, and that'll really keep people's attention and ensure that, that these, the skills you're teaching are going to be retained. You wanna use the three E's in these meetings, engage, energize, and equip. The meeting should be broken into, into uh, bite-sized chunks. I think the framework was five minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes. And, uh, and your, your, one-on-one -on -one meetings with your reps should cover what are the barriers or challenges that are in their way right now that keeps them from being as successful as they could. What's holding them back? And, and most, so many managers spend their time in these meetings just talking about you know, what, what, the, uh, what deals are going to close and when they're going to close and how big they're going to be. If you focus instead on what's holding you back right now. And then as a manager, you can seek to remove those roadblocks. Your team will be more successful. As a sales coach, it's really important to motivate your reps by believing in them 
more than they believe in their in themselves and that's uh that's a, a key motivational thought believe in people and more than they believe in themselves and they may they may surprise you so some fantastic uh thoughts from alice today alice tell me where can our listeners read more about your work how do they reach out to you um you know how, how can they engage with you more well, certainly, absolutely. You know, LinkedIn is the easiest place. Alice Kemper, you can find me there. Um, they can certainly email me directly if they went to Sales Training Consultants or Sales Training Works. And Works is spelled with an E W E R K S. But I, I have something special for you and your listeners um, because we really have an audience, you, your audience really is interested in being successful. And we've talked about the field rides and the one-on-one -on -one coaching. And, you know, they certainly could engage with me to do that, but they, that they're better off doing that themselves. But what they're time deprived and what they don't have time to do is write all that bite-sized sales meeting with the 3E accelerator technique in them. So I've done that. I've got two years worth. I've got you know, 104 30-minute or less sales meetings and um, all outlined. If they can read, talk, and tell time, they can run a very effective, the three E's, the engage, equip, and energize sales meeting. So what I've done for your audience is with the promo code podcast, um, if they go to salestrainingworks.com and want to order a year's subscription, they get it for uh, half off and in and cost them $187 instead of $379. And they're going to have multiple sales well worth more than that. Well, thank you, Alice. That, that is very generous of you. Um, I, I, uh, I love what you're saying here. This has been a, a fantastic episode of the Outside Sales Talk. And uh, if anyone who's listening can think of other sales reps that would benefit from or sales managers, especially in this case, that would uh, benefit from this episode and hearing about it, feel free to forward this on to them. Um, as always, leave a rating uh, of the pod podcast on iTunes. Uh, that really helps spread the word if you find these helpful to other people. Take care until next time, and thanks for joining us, Alice. Thank you.